saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the view of Wolfpack Research or any of its officers. The views and opinions expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on this program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. We are not investment advisors. We hold no registrations with the SEC, FINRA, or any other regulatory agency, and none of the opinions expressed on this podcast should be considered investment advice. The listener should assume that we have positions in and stand to benefit from any stock or other security mentioned on this podcast. Do your own research before making investment decisions. Welcome to the Wolf Den, everybody. This is Dan David. I'm back with you. We have Carl, our sound engineer, as usual, and God help us all. We'll see what happens there, what kind of glitches we run into. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> Joining us today, many of you may know, is uh, kind of a, a phenom, you know, a, a whiz kid, Edwin Dorsey, who's uh, stormed onto the short scene, though many people probably don't know he's actually worked at it a very long time for his young age welcome edwin dan thanks so much for having me i'm really excited to be here so edwin uh we're gonna want to have edwin back to do a full edwin story because i think he's got a, a rich and fruitful story but today in kind of a bulls bears conversation we're going to talk about root now in full disclosure, I don't really have a bull, so I'm going to stand in for, for, for what I can. It's not a, a, a common position for me to take, but I've got some questions that the bulls have brought up, and maybe Edwin can expand on why he believes what he believes, and, and maybe we can get a bull on at some other point to, to give a counterpoint. But for Edwin's part of it, Edwin first published on Root, I believe, December 3rd. Is that correct, 2020, Edwin? That's dead right. Yep, that's 100% right. Okay. And since then, he's published a follow-up article back in March, and then there have been a couple of bulls that have come out here and said what they have had to say. Now, Edwin, before you get started, let me just tell you what I'm reading on kind of a bull case. And God, I, I hate this part of any bull case, but I'll just put it out there. Really smart people own this. Jay Shaw owns it, right? Craig Hutchins. Really smart, active managers. I was actually surprised on a, on a serious note. Uh, I read yesterday that Valiant Capital owns this too. Now, that is smart money in my opinion. I mean, I, you know, I know those guys. I was, I was a little shocked to see that they were, they were a pretty big holder of this stock. But that seems to be a really big reason for, for being in the stock for a lot of people. Other than that, it's disruptive technology, right? It's a new way to value or to get an, an insured by giving them, what do they call it, Edwin, a doggle that they put in your car? It's, it's actually for root insurance, it's an app. You download an app and it tracks your location for about two weeks to determine whether or not you're a good driver. They don't, they don't actually have something that goes in a USB port called a doggle that like looks at your car? They just do That's it. That's what that. like the competitors do. Donegal. Donegal. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Donegal. Huh. It's like a little key fob thing. That's interesting because Donegal is also an insurance company. Oh. That's weird. Okay. So they do that by monitoring your phone, not unlike the Chinese. So uh, <laughs> awesome. I hear that these apps don't really work to begin with and that they're kind of for show anyway, that 
everybody that pretty much gets this app is shown to be a pretty good driver. I'd, I'd have to test that theory myself because I definitely am not. <laughs> but in spite of that, insurance rates go up. That's the bear story. And their curve is supposed to hit when somebody renews. And that's what everybody's betting on, that their retention rate is going to be higher and higher, and that's going to grow. What do you have to say to that, Edwin? Well, Groot's retention is pretty bad right now. Mm -hmm. Two-thirds of the customers leave within about a year of joining Groot. Uh, and the reason they leave is because of the price hikes. When most customers sign up for Root's car insurance, they get a low rate. And then what a lot of consumers complain about is every six months, their insurance rates go up 50%, even though they've got no accidents and are usually driving less because of the pandemic. And so I really think there's a yin and yang here where, you know, renewal rates will grow up if price hikes go down. And if price hikes go down, then your, your, your future cohorts are going to be less profitable and you might not get the inflection point everybody's thinking. The key here, I, I think, is to realize root customers, in my opinion, are really unhappy. And I know this not just by reading consumer complaints, but because a lot of them have reached out to me saying that they were initially happy, but now they're unhappy. And it's a lot tougher to monetize an unhappy customer base if there's a lot of competition than it is to monetize a happy customer base. Now, they're, you know, the other part of the bull case is like you're saying their loss ratio is going down. But I, I guess what you're saying, their loss ratio is going down because their rates are going up and they can't continue that hiking rates to improve their loss ratio. Is that what you're saying? Well, I would say two things on the loss ratio. So root right now, I think their loss ratio is like 110%. They're losing money right off the bat. Um, but two things that they, they pointed to in some of their earnings calls to their loss ratios getting better. They're losing less money per dollar premium written over time. That's been driven by two things. One, that's been driven by price hikes. Uh, in the state of Texas, they are hiking prices 20, 30% based on some consumer complaints. And those aren't sustainable because the higher you hike prices, the more likely consumers are to leave. Mm -hmm. And you, you might get away with one or two because there's going to be inertia and consumers just don't want to go through the hassle of switching. Yeah. But after a while, consumers will do that. Uh, and number two, Rook has had an incredible one-time benefit because of the pandemic. It might not be immediately obvious to people, but auto insurer companies, auto insurance has been doing really, really, really well because of the pandemic. People are driving less, and when right. people drive less, they get in a lot fewer accidents. And nobody really got a discount for that. Well, actually, a lot of other non-root auto companies with the pre pressure from regulators have been giving 10 20% discounts or credits. Mm -hmm. Root is raising prices during a pandemic, which is absolutely nuts, and which people I don't think are fully aware about. So, so that's a big problem. And so, so Root's doing these two games, which aren't really sustainable. You're getting the one-time pandemic benefit. That's going to go away over the next few quarters. And you're hiking prices, but that's eventually going to cause people to leave. You don't see them as hitting critical mass at some point or a tipping point once they start to maybe get more downloads, more users, more. I mean, because this is the only insurance company I know of, right, where you absolutely have to have an app, their app to be insured. Uh, I think there's another competitor called Metro Mile that also went public through his SPAC, one of Chamath Palahapatiya's SPACs. <laughs> I'm shorting that. that. That's an automatic short, but go ahead. 
So I, I think that one's heavily shorted. Yeah, and it's also important to note, some people might have thought, oh, Root is going to have a real edge with this app. They can use it, track the location of drivers. Yeah, people have said that. But, and that may have been true initially, but over time, I think that edge has probably been worn down from the fact that all these other auto companies are launching dongles, are launching competing products mm-hmm. to, to, to also track car location. And the one thing I want to highlight, Dan, that I really would love to know what the Bulls think about is five years down the road, 10 years down the road, none of this is going to matter at all because the future of cars are connected cars where cars Mm -hmm. right now collect a lot of data. And in the future, they're going to collect and share data directly to insurance companies. For example, if you buy a car five years from now, odds are you'll be told, hey, you can get a $10 a month discount on your lease if you automatically share all the car's data with third parties. So you drive the car off the lot and instantly your speed, your braking, your location, all that data is being collected and transferred to third parties like insurance companies. And that's what insurance companies are going to use to underwrite insurance. And it's going to be a lot more efficient than an app or a dongle or any of these other gizmos. Well, would you think that Root would have first mover status in that kind of analysis of the technology? You know, maybe, but but not really. It really looks like that this connected car data is going to supplant all these other products, whether it's a dongle or an app, because the car data itself is obviously going to be better than a phone that's acting uh, as yeah. a proxy for a yeah. car. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people say that Metro Mile is actually trying to get in early on this and be like very good at analyzing connected car data. I, I don't I, I don't see why a Metro Mile or Root would have an advantage over a legacy player like Progressive and Geico. If anything, the legacy players, now that you're on an even playing field and all getting the same data, the legacy players will have the advantage because they've got the brands. Right now, I think the bull case on Root, and we've seen this, is they have better technology. They have better technology. I don't know if it's true. And if it's true, it doesn't matter because it'll be obsolete in five years. Yeah, I'm, I, I read that quite a bit that they have you know, better technology and, you know, using air quotes there, unless you really explain what that means to somebody and they, and they understand what you're saying, what does it matter? I don't know what their better technology is. Is it the app? I don't know. I I hear that the app is kind of a gimmick to get people to sign up to begin with it. It really can't necessarily track the speed of your car. I'm I'm sure this app would totally be able to report that you got into a head-on collision and your entire car is 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 totaled. I guess the insurance company would get that five minutes before you called them and said the same thing. But yeah, you've got the technology part of it that gets a certain crowd, call it the Reddit crowd, call it the retail crowd, that says Kathy Wood's going to own it, so I need to own it. But you don't think they're ever going to make money? Is that the bottom line? So, you know, they lost about $300 million last year. They're going to lose about $300 million in 2020. They're probably going to lose money in 2021. And my view is if you can't make money in the best of times, a literal pandemic in which driving is plummeted, you get the best conditions in the world, you know, how are you going to make money in the worst of times now that driving is coming back? 
and you've already pissed off a lot of consumers with price hikes and you might not have that in your back pocket anymore. So no, I, I don't see a path to profitability anytime soon. And let's say magically five years from now, they do get there. It's not going to matter because connected car data is going to take over. And that is going to be the driving technology and the leading technology. Yeah. I don't know that this was really the best of times for them all the way around though. Yeah, it, it was in a co-equal world, it was the best time for auto insurers, but they didn't have the economy of scale with enough insured for for it to be the best of times. They they really and let's let's face it, they're giving teaser rates. I don't think they're even denying that, right? That their initial rate is to get somebody to sign up and then they're gonna get a price hike. To be fair, Edwin, and I've been I've been at this driving thing for a little bit longer than you have and dealt with insurance companies. And my, my father actually had an Allstate franchise for over 40 years. So I understand a little bit about it. Insurance companies are always playing this, this game. They're always hiking your rates. And it's that, you know, it's that thing, like you said, is it, is this person going to shop around to go to state farm or progressive or, or do they stay? But you're saying these rates hikes at root are exorbitant is that across the board everywhere in every state so so what what i did to determine whether or not they're exorbitant is i went to their biggest markets like texas georgia kentucky mm -hmm. filed FOIA requests with the state attorney general for consumer complaints against root in those states mm -hmm. across the board in all the states you'd see lots of complaints about price heights, despite the pandemic, despite people with perfect driving records, mm -hmm. you'd also see complaints about root making it difficult to cancel the policy. And I see this a lot in companies I look at mm -hmm. where they'll mistreat consumers, they'll be raising rates, they'll get you stuck in automatic renewals. And then if they're particularly bad, they'll make it very difficult to cancel the policy. Mm -hmm. So I li literally seen letters of people writing their state insurance commissioner being like, I spent hours trying to cancel my root policy, but I just can't figure it out. Um, I, I might be wrong on this, but I believe Root like doesn't let you cancel by phone or online. I believe you can only cancel through the app. And so when I see this, lots of price hikes plus making it difficult to cancel, it's like, huh, this does not seem like a sustainable or great business model. And Dan, to the point you said earlier, like all auto companies play some games. They're not necessarily seen as the best. There's going to be complaints at all of them. Yeah. How do you determine if Root is worse than the others? Well, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners publishes data every year on complaints and satisfaction with different auto insurance companies. And they create an index, basically. How many complaints does an auto insurance company have compared to the amount of complaints we'd expect them to have given the number of policies they underwrite? And then they create an index where one means you're like dead average. You get the average number of complaints per policies you underwrite. Two means you get twice as much. 0.5 means you get half as much. Root score is like a four, meaning they get four times as many complaints to the National Association of Insurance Commissioners as would be expected for a company of their size. Uh, Metro Mile is also high. Uh, so that's another sign. Like this company isn't just playing the normal games. They're excessive in how they're hurting consumers. So, you, you know, I've seen this across the board. A lot of confirming evidence. Online, there's a lot of complaints. To the state attorney generals, there's a lot of complaints. 
There's a lot of complaints about it being canceled. Root Root's management seems to have like misled investors, in my opinion, about these price hikes. Um, so I'm a little suspect. Do you think? Uh, do you think they survive at all? I mean, do you think they're going to go under? You know, they have a lot of cash right now from their IPO. Well, they have two hundred million um, in cash, and they have two hundred twenty million in debt. Right? Is that? I, I think the cash might be higher. I could be wrong. I think it's higher. Okay. I, I think they've got like two years of runway. Um, what is their burn you know, rate? Uh, I think it's about three hundred million a year, oh, and it's right. probably going to be higher this year if you assume driving is really going to come back and more people are going to be in accidents. W- wouldn't that um, um, be the cause if if their telematics in their app is driving what the rates are? Wouldn't that be the cause for the the increase in rates? So if someone signed up during the height of the pandemic, say, where you're almost not driving, just going to grocery store and back, your rate would be X. And yet, as things have opened up, particularly in Texas, which just said, F it, we're all open and everything goes back to normal, the the driving habits and everything are, are totally different. So wouldn't that logically, based on their model, increase the rates? Absolutely. The one important thing here is these complaints are from March 2020, April 2020, June 2020, all during the heart of the pandemic. These my first articles published December 2020. There's a lag in terms of filing for your request and getting the complaints back. You know, a lot of the, these complaints were either pre-pandemic or during the heart of the pandemic. And you literally see in people's complaints, they're like, I haven't left the house in three months, but Ruth's increasing my insurance rates. So if it was, oh, driving's getting back to normal, we're going to hike rates, that would make sense. But that's not what this is. I, I haven't actually got any documents like within the last three months through FOIA on Ruth. Um, it is just we're in the middle of a pandemic. Everyone's driving less and Ruth was hiking prices, which I, I, I think is that definitely unethical and it's probably going to get some regulatory scrutiny at some point yeah i mean like that becomes a speeding ticket though i mean you know as far as regulatory scrutiny for insurance companies you you just pay it i think what we're looking at with root here though is is they're probably going to have to dilute pretty soon right and i don't know if they want to do that at 10 or 11 bucks yeah, so, so that's kind of the end game. Does this thing just run out of cash and go bankrupt? My guess is no. Dan, I could be wrong. Maybe they do have a little bit something with their telematics. It might not be a game changer rate, but it might it might have some value. So I could see them potentially getting acquired like for a low price by another insurance company. Okay. The counter to that is, you know, I, I think they tried to shop themselves pre-IPO to see if another insurance company would buy them and, and everybody passed based on what I know. So that that's a little bit of a counterpoint that may, may, maybe they, there isn't a lot of acquisition value. I don't know. I, I would, I, bankrupt seems a little extreme, but uh, you, you know, you always have value if you like have policies underwritten. Somebody might just buy them for the policies they have and hike it again. Bankrupt is a little extreme, but probably one or two dollars a share, and like you know, in wow. trouble and then like desperate Ooh, acquisition. What, what's the difference? <laughs> wow. Uh, so you see, you see a a pretty significant downside from here. Uh, absolutely, especially in the long run. You know, it is heavily shorted. You can never tell with the trading dynamics. Like, yeah, well, that was my next point. I mean, like, I you know, a lot of the bull case is is hyperbole, and then they get to the point. There's a lot of short interest in this stock. Hint, hint, short squeeze coming, and we've all seen that happen. 
Do you envision this getting back up to their IPO price of like what twenty seven bucks or? You know, it could happen. You know, even though we see examples where heavily shorted stocks squeeze more often than not, heavily shorted stocks perform poorly. So it could. Uh, I'm I'm not. I can't predict the future. Great, but uh, one thing I will notice is it's about six months after its IPO. Just over time, the you know shares become more liquid. Founders right. sell down their shares, and insiders sell down their shares. The free floating stock is going to increase over time. So that's something you have on your side. Um, it it seemed like when Citron in the past put out a report, and it went up like 10, 12 percent on that, and some of that might have been short covering. But then it went right back down the following days. Yeah, and I, it, it surprised me a little bit, like that uh, that's something so highly shorted, but it's kind of following the market too. So we'll have to see. Do you have anything to add to the root report that uh, maybe is not in your first two love letters? <laughs> uh, the thing, the two things I would focus on is one, the story about Roots all about the future, but the future isn't going to be like app-based telematics and underwriting. The future is totally going to be connected cars. Insurance companies are going to get data directly from cars when you drive it off the lot, and that's how insurance is going to be underwritten, and that's going to get rid of all the technological edges of every other company. That's just going to be the best source of data. That's point one. And then point two is people like to say, oh, there's a lot of smart people who own it. There's tiger cubs in it. I, I would say there's also going to be a lot of smart people who are shorted. You also don't know if somebody uh, that reports they own a stock, it could be a box short where they own a little stock, but they're actually short more and they own the long kind of as a hedge in case of a short squeeze. Mm -hmm. um, so it could be a box short right there. Uh, you know, the filings are lagged, so they are reporting they own it, but they've actually sold it out now. There's also often a lot of group things. So just because a great Tiger Cub owns it, that doesn't mean the lead PM owns it. That could be the most junior analyst who's about to get fired owns it. And that's like a lot less convincing. Well, Tiger Cubs, if we get their balls kicked in anyway, I mean, you know, from anywhere from Luckin, right, uh, to GSX, they were in that too, weren't they? You, yeah. And you smart fuckers. people. <laughs> Again, yeah, smart people get it wrong all the time. Yeah. And another thing I'd add, uh, well, my general feeling is a lot of these tiger cubs are probably best in the world at analyzing numbers and cohort metrics and all this. I think where a lot of these New York City hedge funds get wrong is they don't understand what's behind the numbers or driving it as well as they should. So price hikes on customers who are like still satisfied is very different than price hikes on customers who are livid and all looking to cancel. A, a company with a high churn, but that makes it easy to cancel is different than a company with high churn that makes it difficult to cancel. Because the one that's making difficult to cancel would have much higher churn if they were actually easier to cancel. So, so sometimes, uh, you know, investors can look at the numbers and analyze that well, but not look at enough behind the numbers and in the end like i always think companies with a lot of happy customers are going to way outperform the ones that get a lot of unhappy customers yeah i think you make a strong case edwin and as far as i don't know tiger cubs being the best in the world along with a lot of the silver lake or anybody else on this list you know we're supposed to notionally think that that active managers do some fundamental due diligence as well I'm not sure that's the case like it used to be. I think they look at institutional ownership and kind of ride along the coattails because they know institutions are not selling. 
I mean, you look at GameStop, right? Some of the institutions own that at 20 bucks. Did they sell it at 250? No, that's not what they do. So at any value, they're just owning the stock, right? We know the institutions are in flow of money, buy more stocks, don't care what the price is, irrespective of the price. Outflow of money, sell stocks, don't care what the price is, irrespective of the price. And I think the active managers are now following that kind of trend more than anything else. So I'm not that impressed by anybody that comes out with a bull case and says, this one or that one owns it. I think your analysis is much deeper than I've seen out there. If anybody wants to come on here and talk about Root, it's not a hostile environment. I don't have a problem with that. I don't really have a dog in the hunt. We did invite Alex Tim, but he did he has not responded. Yeah, we, we did invite the CEO of Root to come in here and, and punch it out with you, Edwin. But, uh, well, one thing I will say is uh, I think Alex Tim is a very smart, very bright guy. I, I listened to some of his podcasts. He, he really impressed me as a CEO. And, um, and I think that's what uh, some of these big hedge funds have said is we really like management. We love management. <laughs> uh, Alex Tim, that's the tough thing for me. I, I really don't like the company. I think the CEO is talented. And if Root fails, I, I would have him as somebody to watch because I, I don't think he's an idiot at all. I think he's smart. All right. So your short route, your long Alex Tim, it's a uh, might be a contradiction. I'm not short route. I'm not, I, I don't. I don't actually trade the stocks I write about. I only make money from premium subscriptions to my newsletter. What's the matter with you? What are you? <laughs> I I might I might one day start taking physicians, but for now it's tough for me to say, hey, become a paid subscriber to the Bear Cave. And like pay me money just so you know what I'm taking in positions in myself. I went the subscription model route rather than the activist short necessarily route. Yeah. I might, that might change in the future, Dan. Yeah. But for now, it's just like research. Yeah, that subscription model, that's, that's a tough road to hoe. But uh, you're doing a good job with it. Maybe, you know, when your car insurance goes up, you'll, you'll join the dark side and start <laughs> activist short selling. Uh, we'll see. I think you'd be good at it. So please join us again when, uh, when we want to talk to you about your story. In the meantime, if you want to follow Edwin at the bear cave, you can subscribe to at the bear cave or follow him on Twitter at stock jabber. That's at stock jabber on Twitter. And thank you, Edwin. Really appreciate having you on. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, leave us a comment. Give us a retweet, follow us on Twitter. Thanks for joining us. 